So as we turn our hearts to God's word, I just want to share with you an experience that I had that was, was kind of funny with my wife. We were, when we had received the call to move from Southern California, where I was pastoring at, to come to move to Middleburg Heights to, to serve at Grace Church, our sister church there, uh, we were in that process of making sure that we established a home so that we could get our girls established in school. And we had just basically one weekend. It was like a, a day where we were going to look at like 30 plus houses. So we're all over this area area, checking out homes. And I don't know if you've ever gone through, I know nowadays, like the real estate market's so different that you, you know, a house sells so fast, but this was back in the day when you would go and look at a house and we were with our real estate agent and Allie was with me and his wife, the real estate agent's wife was with us. And we went into one home in particular in Middleburg Heights where uh, we walked in and I've shared with you before that I grew up in a home where my dad would buy houses and auction and we'd flip those houses. And I kind of had a sense of how much work it would take to fix up a house. And in our price point, we knew that we were going to have to get some version of a fixer upper. But my hope was that it wasn't going to be an extreme home makeover, if you know what I'm talking about, right? So we are, we're checking out these homes. And one house in particular, about halfway through our day, I, I jumped out of the car with the real estate agent, kind of beat Allie inside. I looked around for about 30 seconds and I said, okay, we're good here. Our work here is done. And I came out to kind of meet Allie at the door and I said, we, we don't even need to check this one out because I'm counting how much time and energy and money it's going to take. And Allie said, well, what do you mean? You're not even going to go upstairs? You're not going to check out the base? Nope, we're good. We're good. And then the real estate agent's wife said something. I don't even know what this means. She said, but the house has good bones. Oh, thanks. Okay. Uh, and so we ended up walking around the house, and I'm proud to say that we've lived in that home happily for the last nine years. Uh, so uh, so my, my ability to know what the potential of that home was, was limited, right? But I want to remind you this morning, as we turn our hearts to God's Word, we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and what you're going to see from the Apostle Paul, and what I believe is the voice of God this morning, is to say to you that God knows your personal potential, that he knows what you have the capacity to experience in life. And the Apostle Paul is communicating to these, this church that he loves that God has something more for them, that there's, there's something more for them than what they're experiencing. And he's, he's going to talk about concepts like their growth is just stunted. Do you guys remember when your kids, when mom was like, don't drink the coffee, it'll stunt your growth, right? I often wonder that like half a sip of coffee that I had at the funeral when I was like six, if that may, kept me from being six foot one, you know? But you guys know what we're talking about. We, we say stunt your growth. And, and today the Apostle Paul is going to use this imagery as he challenges us to understand that God is a aware of our potential, but he tells us this concept that's so important, and, and that is, as Christ followers, you and I need to be self-feeders of his word. That as Christ followers, our growth needs to be something that we personally take as our responsibility. He's given us what we need. We're going to look at three questions this morning that help us to identify if we're growing appropriately. And I'll just remind you that, that the natural state of things is that we go from infants that are dependent upon someone else to digest the nutrients for us 
And then over time, God's natural progression is for us to grow up and to be able to be self-feeders. And, and that progression is the natural order of things. In Africa, when we were there, Ali and I had the privilege of visiting a hospital that has literally changed the infant mortality rate for a, an entire country. And it started by missionaries in an incredible place. But, but I held in my hands a little tiny one pound infant that was prematurely born. And I would find out later on through, through feeding it appropriately and caring for that precious little life that she, she would develop and grow and be healthy and, and, and be strong because of the fact that she progressed. And I'll just remind you church this morning that your God knows what you have the potential of becoming. And as we study these verses together, as we look at the heart of the Apostle Paul, when he reaches out to this community that he had been a part of, he's going to call them brothers. We know that he had spent about a year and a half with this church in Corinth, and he loves them. And this message this morning is going to come across as a tough truth, because he's saying to them, I believe that God has something more for you than just surviving. If you were here with us last week, George Panna did an incredible job in encouraging us to understand the difference between just trying harder and doing life in our own way versus experiencing the power and authority and the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit in our life to be able to thrive understanding his supernatural presence within our life. And the Apostle Paul, we're going to pick up on that. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read these first uh, several verses in their entirety because I want you to hear this morning what the Apostle Paul is trying to say to them when he encourages them, and I believe he encourages you and I to grow up a little bit when it comes to our faith. Look at this. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, are you not just being merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Amen. So neither he who, it doesn't say that, I just added that. You guys paying attention. Okay. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. I love this verse nine. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Brothers and sisters, Paul's message to the church is it's time for you to grow up. Another way to say that is you are made from something more than just normal survival. He's going to talk in this text about being carnal. And I admit that when I read that concept, it doesn't resonate with me. I, I know carne asada, right? I, I like that. Um, but, but we know that that means fleshly, meat. It means something. But, but to understand the term carnal, the way that Paul's going to use it, he actually defines it for us in the text where it's just living normal. 
And what I mean by normal, last week, George Panna mentioned that in our culture, uh, there's an unholy trinity that we attempt to worship in our lives, and it's me, myself, and I, right? And, and so the, the carnal life approach is to, we're going to see it marked by jealousy and strife, and I'll add discouragement and frustration and And it's just really just behaving like everyone else. And when we say that God knows your and my potential, what he's saying to us is, I have something so much more for you. And so if you're just doing life the way everyone else does, like the the series that we're going through called the prodigal church, that sounds offensive to some of us. But I, I will be the first to say, I believe that at times we as a church function as a prodigal church. What I mean by that is God wants something so much more for us. And yet we settle to just kind of do life the way the rest of the world does. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit to allow us to represent his loving kindness. And yet we just live like the rest of the world. I appreciate the way that Matthew Henry puts this when he says, Christians are utterly to blame who do not endeavor to grow in grace and in knowledge. The apostle Peter taught it this way in 2 Peter 3.18. He says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The disciple friend, disciple or friend of mine, mentor, used to say, and this is really true in a lot of areas in life, he said, Sean, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. We are never staying the same. And I think that when we look at our spiritual lives, when we look at what it means to grow spiritually, the Apostle Paul is saying this. You guys, some of you are regressing. Some of you, at this point, your progression, natural growth should be stronger, holy, healthy, self-feeder. But instead, what I'm seeing you do is that you're, we, we use this term, it's kind of a weird term, we say backsliding. And I'll illustrate this in another way, is that in, in Honduras, I can remember being on a highway, and uh, we were on a mission trip, and a bus was on the other side going the other way in traffic like normal, except for it was going backwards. And the driver was driving the bus with somebody in the back. You understand? We're on a highway and he's driving backwards on the, talk about the struggle bus, right? He's completely, you guys are supposed to laugh at that, um, but he's, he's going backwards. And, and so instead of fixing the transmission, what they, you know, I'm sure it was having trouble. So instead of fixing the transmission, they're just trying to drive the bus backwards. Uh, and it was full of paying customers. Can you believe that? Now, now, it sounds silly, right? And, and in that same tone, when the Apostle Paul writes this, when I was with you guys, I, I know you heard the gospel, the message of hope that Christ died on the cross for your sins. And you, he's writing to people who received the message of the gospel. And now he's saying, you guys are just looking just like the world. That, that when I hear reports, and we saw this in chapter one, when I hear reports, what I hear is, is that you're not different than the world that's around you. And I just remind you, church, that Gordon Fee puts it this way, that being normal, being human, it's not, not a bad thing in and of itself. God designed us. We're created in his image. But what is intolerable is to have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, which makes one more than merely human, and to continue to live as though we were nothing more. That's just what it means for us to live a carnal life, a normal life. But the God who loves you, the God who knows that word potential, that he knows what you have the potential of becoming. He really knows your bones, right? He knows what you have the ability to become. 
that he looks at you and he says, I have something more for you. That's Paul's essence. That's his thing. It's time for us to grow up. The first point this morning that we'll look at more carefully in the first five verses of chapter three is that there are signs in our life that we're not growing. I want to look at three of them. What are you consuming? How are you behaving? And who are you following? The first, what are you consuming? The Apostle Paul reminds us that growth is expected and it's fueled by the supernatural pursuit of God's best in our lives. That's personal. This is our responsibility. And he says this in chapter three, verse one. But I, brothers, remember, Paul knows these people and here he's addressing Christians everywhere, um, not just a faction of the church in Corinth that was disobeying, but he's saying this to all of them. I could not address you or speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. In other words, people who are dependent still to have someone else digest truth for you. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready. This, this concept of milk, you think of the ABCs of our faith, the basics of our faith. And Jesus spoke in clear truths. He, uh, someone put it, said that he put the cookies on the lower shelf that all of us could understand his simple truths. And yet, the expectation for a person that grows naturally is that they, they begin understanding the foundational truths of the gospel. They understand God's word is powerful and then they build upon that thing. Now, the difference between a person who just receives from other people and a person who understands how to be a self-feeder makes all the, the difference in the world. That distinction is an individual's responsibility. So, so as we go through this, 1 Peter, Peter teaches it this way in 1 Peter 2.2. He says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. We have had three daughters and I love this crying baby. You know, like you could almost add the soundtrack to this, right? Like the scream that that baby is crying out for, feed me. And there's no reasoning with that baby at this point, Right. You guys try that? Dads, you ever try that before? Uh, no, no, what that baby wants is food. And, and as infant uh, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, often we start out just saying, I just want what I can, I want to receive whatever God has for me. And, and often you see that a person is so excited about growing. And then over time, the expectation, just like an infant, is that you progress and you grow. And as you develop, like that little pound, one pound baby grew, that over time, what happens is that you progress from having someone else provide the meal for you, but instead that you ultimately become someone who not only craves spiritual milk, but then craves spiritual meat. The Apostle Paul in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 11 through 14 gives us incredible insight into this concept. He uses a very similar imagery that he uses in 1 Corinthians, but I want you to notice his emphasis on skill and capacity to be someone who feeds themselves. It says this in verse 11, about this, we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. Again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That's powerful. Since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature 
for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So, so the responsibility, I think often when it comes to this whole church experience and Sunday morning worship and all of this, this like I, I hear this because I have friends and family that don't attend Hope Church. And, and believe it or not, some people are critical about what happens in the pulpit. And I've heard them say things like, I can't get any spiritual meat at my church. Well, let me, let me clarify something about that briefly. And I, I want to remind you about what my responsibility is. As a pastor, it is my responsibility to study God's word, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's what God's asked me to do. And I love it. I hope you can tell that I do. I consider it a huge privilege to study God's word and to try to approach it in a way that is not just us being hearers of God's truth, but to be doers of God's truth. Now, I have had the privilege of being in other churches. I've served in other churches in Dallas and California and the Bahamas. I know, suffering for Jesus. Um, but but I, I have experienced those. And I have sat underneath Bible teachers, some of which, have you guys ever heard of the big Texan restaurant in, in Amarillo, Texas, where they serve the 72-ounce steak with shrimp and dessert and rolls? And stuff? some of you are like, that sounds great. Others of you are like, I would die, right? Uh, I have sat underneath some Bible teachers who really do serve a steak like that every Sunday. And it's incredible. And I remember the privilege of sitting underneath their teaching. I've also been in churches where I think I got a Happy Meal every Sunday. And, and, and that's just the truth. It's just, but, but, what, but what's the difference? And this is so important. Somebody said this beautifully this morning after the first service. It meant a lot to me is that they, they said, when, when we're self-feeders of God's word, we're not depending on one meal to, to sustain us for the week, but instead, this is, they said, you know, Sunday morning can kind of be like dessert, right? Like you've eaten during the week and you come and you, you receive something that's, I, I want you to eat a meal on Sunday morning. Don't misinterpret me. But, but what I want you to understand is that it's really important for you to be someone who understands how to access the truth of God's word for yourself. I can never sustain you as a teacher for a whole week, just like I couldn't create a meal that would feed you for a whole week. It's not the point. So if you're a self-feeder of God's word, what that means is, according to Hebrews, is that we have have allowed ourselves to train ourselves to have the power of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish the difference between good and evil. And it's possible for us individually to be unskilled in the word of righteousness. So when somebody stands back and they go, oh, my pastor doesn't feed me. Uh, I, I want you to know that there are some places out there where that's the case. In fact, we were warned about that, that God's word tells us that there will be a day when people try to find people where, where they're, who their tickling ears want to hear. And what I mean by that is like, there's not even chicken soup for the soul there, you know? Uh, that, uh, like, it's like cotton candy where it's full of opinions, preferences. Here's how you ought to live out of a person's own experience. And, and I'll just tell you, because I understand that you have choices when it comes to where you receive the truth of God's word. I'll, I'll just tell you, this is God's word of life. That this is his word. And this ought to be at the epicenter of every sermon you ever hear. If it's not, it may be cotton candy. You know what eating, can you imagine what it would feel like to eat in cotton candy every day, seven days a week? Well, that, some of you are like, oh, you wouldn't have any teeth, right? Like it, it, and, in, and in some ways, what some of us in this room are trying to do in our life, though, 
is to live without experiencing the constant sustaining provision of God's word. He's given us what we need. And so when I say this first question of what are you consuming, uh, sometimes people talk about this concept of devotions or, uh, you know, I, I, devotion. What's that mean? It sounds so profound. Well, I just want you to understand it's that, that we just stand back and we just say, Lord, what do you have for me today? We study God's word. We, we train ourselves in understanding righteousness. We don't just depend on someone else to provide every meal for us. Do you guys track with me on that? And so, so if, we, if we do that, what we're not doing is it being in that bus that somebody else is taking us maybe perhaps in the wrong direction. But instead, what we're doing is that we're trusting that the Lord has given us what we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us for his own glory and goodness. So that first sub-question is, what are you consuming? Paul uses the language of spiritual milk. The next question is, how are you behaving? The exceptional life can be stunted by settling for the mundane. The exceptional life, the potential that God sees in each and every one of us is it has the potential of being stunted. Your growth spiritually can be stunted if you just choose to do life the way the world does life. If you just play by their rules, if, have you guys noticed that the behavior of people today is pretty rough these days? Uh, my, my girls work in a, in a fast food restaurant and they come home and they tell me stories of the things that they've, the words that have been said to them. And, and I, and it just, there's, there's a part of me that I'm just embarrassed for people because of, but, but, but heaven forbid that people who have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit working in their life, that they, that they would function in the same way. The two, the apostle Paul uses here in the text is he says that your lives are marked by jealousy and by division, strife, distinction. We, hey, by the way, we get strife and divisions, don't we? Like if I, if I said like I'm cheering for Michigan and anything, some of you would be like, oh, that's gross, right? Or if I said I love Big Ben and, and the Steelers, some of you would say yes, and the rest of you would go, oh, that's gross, right? Because, because we understand divisions, but that's a joke. But, but what about when it comes to our divisions in churches? What, what, what about when it comes to divisions in our homes? What if it comes to, his combination is quite fascinating here, that he uses the word jealousy, which is a secondary emotion. It's a response. I, I want something more. And also this concept of being, um, have, experiencing strife, division. And, and when that permeates the church, it's so wrong because it so goes against the heart of God. It says this in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. says, for you are still of the flesh. Like I said, carnal, normal, doing things the way the world does. That the special parts about you are being hidden by the common parts about you, or parts of you. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? I think that it's essential for us to recognize that that's repellent to the Apostle Paul. He knows the church's potential. In Galatians 5.16, he says this, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. He's saying something that says, As Christ followers with the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, that our lives ought to be different. My, my friend had a kidney transplant, and 
And, and I have always often thought about this when, when Paul uses this body language of something that's inside that's not, it's not, it doesn't take, it's not, it, this is not who you are. It, when he, when my friend had his kidney transplant some uh, now 10 years ago, it was obviously another person's kidney that was donated to him. It was a friend, family friend of his. And and, and what was incredible about it is as we prayed before he went in, we were praying like, Lord, let this new thing take within him. But we also know of some of the stories that are out there when, it, when an, a donated organ or a, it doesn't take. And, and that it doesn't take is, is kind of what I think the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Is as Christ followers, the things of this world, they just don't fit us. They're not shaped like us. They, they shouldn't be marked by us. So jealousy, strife, heaven forbid, Christians would represent that in a world that desperately needs people who will walk by the Spirit and not carry out the desires of the flesh. So as Christ followers, how are you behaving? Will you ask yourself that question in your life right now? Who am I listening to? And how, what am I consuming? And how am I behaving? And then the, the, third, the third question that I think is essential for us to ask is, who are, who are you following? Uh, the Apostle Paul is going to make a really clear distinction that who you became a Christ follower under. Uh, remember earlier he talked about Paul and, and Cephas, Peter, and he talked about Apollos. Like how you began your walk with the Lord doesn't, is, is completely inconsequential compared to the Lord. Like you're following the Lord. Or to be able to look at this, maybe it's who was their pastor at the time or who did they like most to listen to. And, and, and you and I know that in our world where we have access to teachers from other generations even in other geographical places and praise the Lord for technology, we get to hear other voices that it's very possible for us to have kind of this party spirit of, of choosing our teachers. And here the Apostle Paul is going to say, it's not about the teacher. Who are you following? I hope that you're following Christ. Verse 4 says, this. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? It's ironic that Paul's saying that about himself. Servants, this is who we are. Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned each. Hey, by the way, if you're curious how I see my job, uh, it's going to talk about the fact that I'm accountable before the Lord as to how I shepherd and care for you guys. Uh, it's a huge privilege for me. I miss it when I'm not here, and I thank the Lord for that. But I'll also tell you that I recognize that I'm entirely replaceable. <laughs> entirely. And the reason I say that is just the same way that the Apostle Paul says this. He says, it's always been about the message of the cross, right? It's always been about God's work. It's always been about his glory. So even as a church family, when we are going through the process of transitioning from one incredible pastor, worship leader to whomever the Lord's going to bring to us, that for some of us, we're going to go, I'm, I'm of, I'm of. And I'll just tell you, if Pastor Jim were here this morning, he'd go, that's so silly. Are you kidding me? Because the heart of a servant of God is saying, oh yeah, that's who I am. I'm just a servant. Just a, just a conduit of God's grace. What a privilege. You guys understand that. And so, so when the Apostle Paul says this, I think he understood his humanity. I, under, I think he understood his depravity. I think he understood really what it means to just be, I like to say, a gutter for Jesus. I get to pass on what he has given me like a beggar who's found food. It's not about my message. It's about the message of the Messiah, isn't it? And so we find ourselves standing back and saying, this is who we are. He uses the word 
um, the, the word for servant. And, and he says, we're just servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned each. We're understanding orders. Isn't that great? And, and we're just doing as we've been ordered. So it's never been about the messenger. It's always been about the Messiah. Thankfully, I think this is important that you and I do not have to go with the flow. We don't have to function like the world that we live in functions. And I'll remind you of this. God's provided for us what we need. Apart from the work of the Lord, you and I cannot grow. Uh, the Apostle Paul puts this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. He, he talks about growth and he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Pray, praise the Lord. The Lord is, I'm ultimately accountable to him. Every servant leader that follows the leadership of God recognizes, it says here, that I'm nothing. Uh, you guys remember that God can use a donkey to communicate his message, and he's been very successful. That God can use really unusual things to bring glory and honor to himself. He in the Apostle Paul's words, he must increase, I must decrease. Earlier he said, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, right? Now, that's a pretty healthy perception of what this means. We're humble utensils used to have the privilege of having a front row seat to see God do the extraordinary in our own strength, you and I can accomplish. Let's see what God's word says. In the book of John, Jesus taught us this. In John chapter 15, uh, beginning in, I, I want you to read this. Uh, let's skip down to the bottom here in verse 5. So how much can I accomplish by just trying harder? Uh, by, by just pressing in, by just working harder? Well, it literally says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can't accomplish, what's the text say? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, that, that, that needs to be written on my wall in my office. Apart from abiding in the Lord, I can accomplish nothing. That's nothing, nothing. Like, that's zero. Uh, you know, you know, in the, the storm this last week, branches blew down off of my beautiful oak tree. Like, we have this gorgeous oak tree on our property here. And, and, and I could have taken one of those branches, and I could have stuck it in the ground, and it's going to look like a tree. Uh, but the reality is, it's dead, right? It's, it's not, it doesn't have roots. It's not producing anything. And yet, for, for each one of us here, what God is saying to us is if we remain in him, if we abide in him, we can produce and accomplish the things that he wants us to experience. That is a beautiful image. And so, apart from him, we can accomplish nothing. But look what it goes on to say in John chapter 15. Um, we'll pick back up on the next slide in verse 7. This is cool. If you remain in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. It's incredible for me to think about. In my own strength, I can accomplish nothing of lasting value. 
But, but in the Lord's strength, I can experience the kind of growth that he desires for us. So he says, walk in this. He says, choose this. He says, experience this. In Southern California, uh, I, I, I will confess, I do not have anything close to a green thumb. I promise you. In Southern California, we had to have irrigation systems to try to keep anything green in our house. In fact, it was so hot that often we would have to water our lawn in the morning and in the evening and sometimes in the afternoon just to keep, keep things alive. Like we, we needed that. Now, Christian, when he uses this agricultural language here, what the Lord wants us to remember is that we need to be soil that produces fruit because of him working in and through us. So because of the fact that he wants us to be rooted and established in him. And I'll just remind you of this. In the book of Matthew chapter 13, he tells the soil, the, the story of the parable of the soils. And in that, he talks about what it means for us to be Christ followers. And when he says that every person who's heard the message of the kingdom or the truth of the gospel, that God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. That, that we receive that in different ways. Some atheist agnostics, they're like seed that a sower is sowing that lands on a sidewalk. Birds come and snatch it away. He says Satan does that. Uh, the next one, he tells the story of the seed that lands amongst rocky soil. And it grows, but it has no root. And so really, it, it, it was just like that stick that you stick in the ground. The third one is quite fascinating to me. You know, I love this one. It, it's so true. And it says that this is the one that, that lands and is planted amongst thorns. And, and that description, Jesus goes on to tell the disciples, is like the person who receives the message, but then the deceitfulness of wealth and the weariness of life, it chokes it out. But do you guys remember what the last seed did? Do you remember what it did? Was that it abided. It was tilled up soil. It received the, the message of the gospel and it goes on to produce a crop 30, 60, or 100 times what's sown. Boy, we see that all around us in Ohio, right? Knee high by July, right? We get to see the, the crops growing around us and the multiplication of what God wants to do. That's authentic. That's what he wants. So, so we are asked, we are commanded, we are called to be people who grow. But apart from the work of the Lord, you and I cannot grow. Apart from the work of the Lord, you and I cannot experience what God wants to do in us. But what's beautiful for me and the third point this morning is that God's handiwork, you and I have essential work to do. <laughs> As God's handiwork, we have essential work to do. There's no category in the 30, 60, or 100 times what's sown for complacency. In verse 9, it says this, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Let me, let me pull out three things of this. First is that God is our leader. Praise the Lord for that. God is the architect of our faith, that God is our divine outfitter. He's provided for us what we need. He's our leader. He's the architect of our faith. He's working in us. And I, I want you to just see this baby one more time that is crying out, like, feed, feed me, feed me. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyways. I said that I don't have a green thumb. And um, uh, we, we, every year we do this, we go to the store, we buy big, beautiful flower baskets. And it's amazing from the store to actually the point where I get to my house, they like die halfway already, you know, uh, that's how, how difficult it is. And 
Um, and yet we, you know, we have irrigation systems because we can't be trusted to water these things regularly. You guys are like, I'll help, Sean. I'll come over and help. But I need all the help I can get. In fact, about a month into our baskets this year, I decided that our, um, fl our flower baskets needed fed because they started to look like they needed some feeding. So I got a big container of miracle Grow, and I got a bucket out and I dumped the whole container of miracle Grow into this bucket. It looked beautiful. Oh, that color was really nice. And so some of you know where I'm going with this. And so I dumped these, this bucket in four equal parts onto four different flowers uh, that were at my house and they died within like a half hour, right? Uh, because, and at the end, you know, when I was putting the, the, the food into the bucket, there's like this little blue scoop at the end. I'm like, what's that for? You know, just checked it out. Um, and, and then later I'd read in the instructions that I was supposed to take a little scoop and put that in the bucket. And then I was supposed to, the apostle Paul is saying something about us when he's saying, God's given you what you need for growth. You, you, and we know this today, none of us lack access to the truth of his word. And, and in fact, he's saying for us, the ability to grow is your responsibility. It's God's work. It's God's work. Don't misunderstand that. But, but abiding and remaining and dwelling and listening and growing is our responsibility as well. Those two things can coexist, by the way. So when he says, walk in the spirit, when he says pursue these things, when he challenges us that we ought to be growing, God knows your and my potential. And he understands what it means for us to receive his truth in time in order to allow us to grow. And, and so, so I wanna ask you a very personal question when it comes to Paul's challenge. It's time for us to grow up. I'm gonna ask you to, to look in your own life, to evaluate your own life. And as we've talked about being prodigals, to accept that, that as a prodigal church, what, what happened in Corinth was that they had potential for so much more and they were just settling for the scraps to the pigs, right? Like they, they had potential for something so much more and they were just compromising and allowing themselves to not experience what God wanted. They were producing nothing because they were trying to do it in their own strength. They were backsliding from God's provision. So my first question for you by way of application is, what is it that you're consuming in your life? Is your life marked by being a self-feeder of God's word or are you overly dependent upon other people to feed you spiritually? That's a very personal question for you. The second question that I want to ask you is how are you behaving? And this question is one that, that if you took a life audit, how, how are you doing in the areas of joy? How are you radiating hope? Who are you expressing the truth of God's word to? What is it, what is it that, that your mark, life is marked by? What would your spouse say that your life is marked by? What would your kids say that your life is marked by? Kids, what would your teachers say that your life is marked by? Paul is telling us that our behavior ought to be something not normal, <laughs> not natural. The last question is, who are you following? And, and my question for you is, are you settling for anyone other than God to be your primary source for wisdom and for growth? I'm gonna, I want to speak to something that's, that's quite personal right now. And that is, I, I am convinced that we're blessed to live in a modern age where we have access to technology and hear other voices and other teachers. And praise the Lord for technology. It's, it's incredible. 
Uh, I want to ask you first the question, are you surrounding yourself with people who teach what you want to hear already? Or are you surrounding yourself with people who speak truth to you in love? That's really important. That's a part of our job. I also want to ask you to consider, and I've said this many times and I'll keep saying it, is I want to challenge you to consider how much technology, media that you're consuming in your life each day. And I'll, I'll just remind you, this, regardless of what source you get your news from, when it comes to our news, it's important for us to remember that what news can do is only tell us what has happened, okay? Like it only can tell us what happened. And at times it attempts to, to parse and understand what has happened. But I want to remind you about the, the, the glory and authority of the truth of God's word is it not only tells us what has happened, some of them are ancient words, but, but it also, as the living word, can tell us what is happening right now and it can help us to understand where God wants to take us in the future. And so if you're finding yourself struggling with jealousy and strife and discouragement and shame, fear, all of these things, I just want to just remind you that there's a messenger that wants to steal, to kill, and to devour. But the God that I serve has come that you and I might have life and that we might have it to the fullest. And so I want to invite the worship team to come forward and they're going to lead us in a, an incredible song. I hope this song represents your heart as we fill this room with, your, with his praises. By the way, I love worshiping with you guys. It's a joy. I'm so thankful for our worship team that has been so faithful through this season of transition. I pray that they keep doing it so well. We're so grateful for the Lord's provision for us. But I'm gonna ask you to just join me and to ask yourself personally, intimately, those three questions. Lord, what is it that I am consuming in my life? Am I a self-feeder of God's word? Do I depend too much on even what we've just done this morning, one meal a week? Or is this just one of many times that I have the privilege of sitting at the banquet of the Father, the word of life, the sword of the Spirit? Uh, Lord, would you just remind that to us? Would you teach us about our own behavior? Would you reveal? I think you did this with me in one area in my life this morning as I was praying through this, uh, a compromise, an area of allowing myself to rationalize and justify something that, that doesn't fit within your design for me. Would you remind us about how we're behaving to remind ourselves of who, are, who we are? And then finally, um, to put in perspective who we are following. And Paul, an incredible man, having to show how much he would suffer for God's name's sake, says, hey, don't follow me. Follow the Christ that I follow. And I pray that for each one of us. Who are we following? And Lord, I think that if we do that, we're going to be people who move into the natural order of things, not getting worse, but getting better. Thank you, Lord. I humbly pray. Thank you for seeing the potential in me. Um, thank you for seeing the potential in every person that's joined us today. We love you. We need you. And all God's people said, amen.